You're listening to the Prepper Recon Podcast. For questions, comments, and podcast archives, go to PrepperRecon.com. Hi, Preppers and Patriots. Brimstone, the second book on my Kingdom of Darkness series, goes live Thursday night at midnight on Amazon. It'll be available in all formats, including audio, paperback, and Kindle. But you can pre-order it right now to make sure you don't miss out. For those of you looking to buy direct, make sure you're signed up to my email list. You can do that by going to PrepperRecon.com and clicking the free 7-Step Survival Plan banner at the top of the home page. You'll get the free PDF, and you'll be registered to receive notifications about giveaways, direct sales, and official book release dates. Now on to today's show. Today's guest is NC Scout. NC Scout is a former infantry scout, the senior editor at American Partisan, host of the Radio Contra podcast, editor of RushBeater.org, and of course the head instructor of all the fantastic in-person courses offered over at Brushbeater Training and Consulting. NC Scout, good to have you back on the show. It's good to be back with you, brother. So lots has changed since the last time we talked. Probably the biggest shift has been the absolute vilification of anyone on the right and absolute vindication of everyone on the left. A handful of fed-up patriots took selfies in the Capitol and became the subject of the biggest manhunt since 9-11. On the other hand, Kamala Harris was one of the biggest proponents of the bailout fund for BLM and Antifa rioters. Over the summer, these groups burned cities to the ground, injured over 700 police officers, killed 27 people, took control of police stations, and turned downtown Seattle into something that looked like an apocalyptic failed state. Unfortunately, I expect these double standards to only get worse. Where do you think we're headed from here? Well, they're they're going to bring that to the entirety of the United States. I mean, if we look at uh, land reforms, quote-unquote, that occurred in uh, Rhodesia when Rhodesia became Zimbabwe and what are currently going on in neighboring South Africa right now, if we look at that and, and we kind of follow the timeline of that, we apply that to the United States, um, that's what we're looking at. Now, one of the big differences between us and those two nations, which uh, Zimbabwe, of course, is a failed state, uh, by anybody's estimation, and South Africa is rapidly on their way to becoming one as well. Uh, the thing is, is that they're, the, the left is not in the majority. Uh, the left is not in the majority. The people who are proposing this stuff are not in the majority, uh, even though they conducted a fraudulent election. Uh, and it is, by anybody's objective estimation, the, the left can't sit and say, we had a free and fair election. That didn't happen. And you've never heard that come out of their mouths. They know that. They know that they did not conduct a, a free election, a fair election. Uh, of course, they cheated their way to victory. Uh, and so the masses of Americans that, that know this and that recognize this aren't going to go along with it. The challenge for us then becomes um, at what point 
do we or or to what degree do we resist? And for me, as it, a lot of internal conversations that that have been had, um, the the big term that keeps coming out is auto delegitimization. They can pass all the laws they want. They can pass all the uh, the decrees and write the executive orders and, and whatnot. But who's going to obey it and who's going to enforce it? Um, and when, you know, the, the interesting thing, that the paradox over the, the past six months, 12 months, what have you, is that the same people that have been holding up Black Lives Matter and kill the police and so on and so forth, signs, uh, and leading these protests are the same ones who believe that some law enforcement entity are going to enforce their decrees. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Where is the enforcement going to happen? And it, and that's not saying that it won't happen, uh, uh, or that's not saying that, that in certain areas that laws won't be obeyed or that laws will be enforced rather, but wide scale can't happen. Uh, so good luck with that. And of course, I'll also add that they can pass all the laws they want. Keep it up. Uh, they're only, they're only creating more problems for themselves. Uh, because at some point when the laws become too repressive and people do not see law as representing them or law as working in their interest, then they're just not going to obey it. Uh, at that point, the social contract's been broken, and hey, we're going on our own merry way. With the demonization of the right in mind, um, give us some tips on getting more secure with our day-to-day communications. Talk to us about the misconception of burner phones, and maybe provide us with an alternative. So... <clears throat> that's a that's a pretty deep one, and I've done a, a number of podcasts on that. And I will say that from my own personal experience, uh, and what we got very very good at doing overseas is hunting insurgents and persons of interest, targets of interest, through a variety of different means. Uh, the first one is through cell phones. Uh, so. With cell phones, and of course I cover this in, in uh, the RTO course, well as the signals intelligence course that I teach. Um, with cell phones, you actually have three, at, at a minimum, three different identification numbers. So you have your carrier number, which is your standard cell phone number, the one that everybody's aware of. Uh, you have your INEI, which is the International Mobile Electronics uh, Identification Number. And then you also have an MC number, or IMSI, International Mobile Subscriber Identity. You cannot spoof these two numbers, okay? So every SIM card has an MC number, and every mobile device has an IMEI number, right? They all have to be paired up, and each time that you ping a cell phone tower, it's giving those unique identification numbers. So there's a lot of misconception out there about cell phones, the role cell phones play, how to mask your identity using cell phones. I'll tell you, we'll just cut to the chase. There's no such thing as a burner phone, period, period. Um, because, number one, the tradecraft that's involved in it to make it a truly uh, anonymous means of communication means that both you and the person you are calling both have devices 
that have no registration or no uh, any sort of linking data to you at any other point in time. And what we call this is co-location of data. All right, that's for both you and the person you're calling. Second, you can only use it once, then it's done. Uh, so that makes it very, very impractical. And then the third strike that's against you is where are you using it? Uh, as soon as you activate it, and, and of course I cover this in class too, phones can be activated remotely. Even if you think that you've cut them off, oh, I'll just cut it off and it's good to go. No, uh, no, you absolutely cannot. Um, towers are still pinging it. Oh, I'll pull the SIM card out and then, then I'm good. No, you can still make a phone call even without a SIM card. Uh, it, those are all the issues that, that are behind this idea of I'm going to anonymize a phone. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. So some of the alternatives. So when we start to look at the technology and harness the technology that's out there and start to really use it to our advantage, um, these days, pretty much everywhere you go, even in rural areas, we've got Wi-Fi, right? You've got Wi-Fi everywhere, and we have these really awesome apps that can work over Wi-Fi only and allow us to make voice calls over data, right, or a VoIP, voice over Internet protocol, right? So we've got wire, uh, signal. Of course, signals had a, a, a couple of issues that were noted in the press, but really they, they were more linked to uh, device exploits. And I, I wrote about that on American Partisan, that that has wholly to do with, with uh, exploits on the device rather than the app itself. It works. Um, but Signal, Wire, uh, Rima is another one that was developed in Switzerland. Uh, that is paid for, but Wire and, and Signal are both free, and they work very well. Uh, wire only requires a uh, 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 email address, and of course you can use uh, Tutanota, you can use um, Proton Mail. Those are two very, very good options for an anonymous email account. Uh, so you can you can get those up and register through um, those apps. Put those, install those on an MP3 player or a tablet. And you're good to go. Getting back to talking about uh, communications devices, what I call the clandestine communications device. Um, you can take an MP3 player, or rather an MP4 player, that uses Android as an operating system. You can also do this with a tablet. Make sure that it's Wi-Fi only, and then you can upload those apps to it from a computer or whatever device you have, <clears throat> and go on and and uh, put those on there, and you can communicate anywhere that you have a Wi-Fi connection. You'll be able to communicate. So what that does for us is it allows us to have a communications device without having to use a cell phone. So what we do in, in tradecraft practice, you can't be around, and everywhere you have a Wi-Fi connection, you can connect to other people who have Wire or Signal or Threema, those, those apps that we talked about, and you'll be able to do that. Um, communicate with them using that, and you're good to go. Totally negates the need for having a phone. 
And folks, you got to understand, too, that this is a communications device for clandestine use. This is not for day-to-day -day phone calls on checking in with the wife or whatever, calling, you know, Uncle Harry, right? This is for clandestine use. This is sidestepping the ways that we are hunted now. And I'm speaking to you as a person who hunted insurgents using this technology. So if we're able to sidestep how they're going to hunt for us using that MC number, that IMEI number, our cell phone data, we're going to win. And then, and then just to, to clarify, this is in addition to your regular cell phone. So you, you would keep up your normal patterns of life with Correct. your cell phone. Uh, maybe if you want that to go dark, you can put that in something like a, like a mission darkness, uh, cell phone case while you're, you're going over to, uh, uh, Jimmy's to, you know, to right. talk about your, your, your bird watching club or whatever it is that, that, that you're trying, right. you're trying to keep private. That's right. You mentioned something really good about patterns of life. So one of the other things is that we do not want to create too many changes for ourselves based on what we're doing, whatever it is that our day to day activity is, because it, Folks, you got to understand something. It's not sci-fi. You're under constant surveillance, and it is through AI. AI is behind all of this. Um, so it's, it's not a physical person that's paying attention to you, but rather it's bits of data that are being collected. Uh, and, and, of course, if somebody needs to take this data out and they're going to do what's called pattern analysis on you, they're going to figure out where you are. Uh, what your, your daily patterns of life are. And as soon as something changes, as soon as something is different or, or uh, um, heavily altered in, in some cases, they'll know that, that that's an action indicator. It means that somebody's doing something different, that something changed, and now we're going to have to pay closer attention to that person. So with your day-to-day -day phone, whatever your, your normal uh, pattern of life is, Keep that up. Keep that up, and don't change it that much. And uh, I, one of the things that I think you mentioned in the in the RTO class was uh, a, a tablet that you could get from Walmart. The uh, is it it's O O N or O N N uh, tablet. Right. It's fifty bucks for the little one, and then fifty uh, bucks. And then also, would you would you recommend just for for an extra layer of obscurity? Um, keeping that in something like a, a mission darkness uh, case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You can keep it in there, and, and of course, that's keeping it secure, uh, keeping it protected, and keeping it kind of out of the public eye. It can't be accessed. Sometimes we don't want it to access uh, open Wi-Fi, and when we don't want it to do that, when we want to keep our data secure, uh, like the one that, that I was showing you in class, I use that for just as much data storage. I have several of them. I use them for data storage as much as I do um, uh, for communications. And I have each of them set up the same way. And then to, can you elaborate a little bit about those uh, those Mission Darkness um cell phone cases it's a, it's basically a little EMP yeah. and and do you trust that brand is that the brand that the that the government military is that is that what yeah. they use 
So Mission Darkness, the, the Mission Darkness bags specifically, there's a lot of Chinese knockoffs out there. Um, what they do, it's an EMP proof bag. It doesn't allow any RF signals inside, doesn't allow any RF signals out. I know that there's a lot of less expensive ones that are out there from Amazon or eBay or wherever, but Mission Darkness has made its reputation on quality and durability. They're the best ones, in, in my opinion. I've seen several of them, uh, ones that students have brought to class, some that um, that, that uh, pe- other people have sent my way, and I don't talk about them much because they don't work as well in the long run. I'll tell you this, uh, for anybody who's listening who's got a, a Mission Darkness bag um, or any EMP bag, put your phone in it and carry it a few different places. Carry it places where you're not going to get much cell phone service. Carry it to a place where you will get better cell phone service and just test it out. Um, you know, and, and what we're what we're trying to accomplish by putting our phone in there is keeping our cell phone from ringing. Uh, one test that I like doing is get on YouTube and uh, pull up a video, pull up a YouTube video, get it to start buffering and start playing, put it in that bag and see how long it plays before it cuts off. Uh, another way that you can test it is the battery life. So we know that cell phones will quickly run through uh, battery life because they're actively trying to find a cell phone signal. If they can't get a tower, they're going to push out more juice trying to pick one up. <clears throat> if you put it in there and that bag is successful, it's going to kill your battery pretty quickly. Oh, uh, so you'd uh, want so to put it on way. you'd want to put it on airplane before you put it in there if you're not testing that's it. Correct. If you're just if you uh, if you or cut it off. Okay. Or cut it off. Yeah. Uh just because your phone is off doesn't mean that a cell phone tower is not pinging it with a signal. It still is. And talk to us a little bit about Internet privacy. Is there a, a VPN service that you trust? And uh, do you trust any browsers or search engines more than others? So for VPN, um, I use a physical firewall, which is made by Belkin. Um, it pairs with your Internet router. And, of course, from there, uh, there's a few other VPNs out there that are pretty good. Um, Nord is one that's commonly used by a lot of folks out there. seems to work very well. Um, there's one other one that's on the tip of my tongue, and I'll, I'll probably remember it after this podcast. It works really well, but a physical firewall is another one that works very, very well. Uh, as far as data security and information security and pushing yourself out. Tor Browser, of course, uh, Tor Browser is, well, it's not a VPN. It's something that is generally decent practice to use uh, because what that does is it reroutes your IP traffic uh, around different servers around the world. Um, so it can conceal, can, doesn't always, uh, there are ways, uh, especially from the government end, there are ways definitely to track who is and who is not on Tor Browser. But when you're using it within its its parameters to protect yourself, it does work pretty well. All right. Um, as far as Internet browsers go, 
Uh, I know Firefox has drawn a little bit of scrutiny on itself here recently uh, for some opinions that it, it has, political opinions and stuff. And while that's unfortunate, it also is the very best uh, as far as Internet privacy goes. Mozilla Firefox is the best, period. The reason for that is you can configure every part of what it is that you're doing. You can lock it all down. Uh, if you go into the settings of Firefox, you can limit what you see from websites and what websites are able to uh, show you. So if, if you want to lock a website all the way down to the HTML format, you're able to do that. And so this is going to help you, too, because when, when we're browsing the Internet, we have a lot of these cookies that we get. Every website we go to has little embedded ads in it. And so we've got all these little little images called cookies. Well, they have tracking data that's embedded in them. A lot of this stuff is not nefarious per se. It's designed to sell you things. But the, the problem is, is that there's a lot of data that's associated with it that's following you around and it's tracking your patterns of life. That data can be weaponized, meaning that it is not necessarily a weapon. It is has ostensibly it, it's a benign purpose, but what it can do is it can identify you, and it gives a unique identifier. And if somebody's looking at your patterns of life, they got you. Um, all they have to do is pull that data up. So Mozilla Firefox still it remains, despite its uh, controversial stance on a number of things. It remains the best browser, hands down. Um, some people suggest Brave out there. Um, I've, I've got mixed opinions on Brave. Brave is backed by Google Chrome. Uh, that's the architecture that they use. So I will tell you to stay away from anything with Big G on it with Google because Google's business plan hinges on selling your data. Whatever they can get from you, whatever data that you volunteer to them at no cost to you, because that's how they provide all these free services to you and have this huge profit margin because they are literally selling your data. What about Opera? I'm not familiar with Opera. Uh, I've, I've heard of it. I don't use it, and I'm, I'm not super familiar with it. Uh, but what I will say is that for mobile browsing, uh, for anybody that uses iPhone and, and iOS, Snowhaze. Snowhaze as a browser is an excellent browser to use. Um, collects no information, keeps uh, all, all of your browsing information. Very, very safe. Um, start page, it, it utilizes startpage.com rather than Google and uh, stays away from all that. So Snowhaze, I I definitely strongly recommend as a mobile browser. Do you notice any slowdown in service from your Belkin firewall? No. No. Uh, what I will say is that I have satellite internet uh, because I do live in a, a pretty remote area. Um, and so with that said, my internet service is not the best in the world to begin with. Uh, but I haven't I haven't seen any slowdown, and I know other folks who use them as well with um, 
in conjunction with high-speed internet and um, don't have any issues, don't have any issues at all. The nice thing is, and, and you know, the, the general rule of thumb with technology is that you can go in and configure physical equipment to your standards. And, and you know, where I'm going with that is, is that if I can exert the maximum amount of control over my equipment, whatever it is, whatever my piece of gear is, the more control that I can exert over it, the more I can configure it to suit my needs, the better off it's going to be, and the better off we're all going to be when we're doing that. So essentially, uh, the way I look at that, to to pare it down, is if it's not open source, if if something's not open source, I don't typically use it. I want to be able to look into the back end of that thing and, and kind of get a peek behind the curtain and see what's going on. Um, the more control I have over something, the better off it is when it comes to uh, personal security. Yeah, I tried the uh, Kaspersky VPN, and it just completely shut down my Internet. It slowed it down so much that uh, everything timed uh, out. I couldn't I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't get to, uh, you know, to just uh, – to like duck, duck, go to do a search. So. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it got, got, oh. So, uh, yeah, so maybe I'll try, I'll try the Dawkins because yeah, I like you. I'm on, I'm on satellite. It's the only option out here, you know, and I think for a lot of right. folks that, that are taking all this stuff seriously, you know, they're, they're, they're moving away from anywhere where they're going to get an, a wired, uh, high speed internet service. So. Right. You know, and and the nice thing, too, about satellite Internet service is when you do a reverse IP address lookup on yourself, which everybody should be in the practice of doing, um, to just to see what your IP address is, to see where your IP address is showing up, um, because there are cyber criminals out there that will use bots to spoof your IP address in other places uh, to, to do things, whether it's organizing DDoS attacks and uh, what have you. It, it is a thing. Um, but you want to see where your IP address is showing up. The nice thing about satellite Internet, if it is the only nice thing about it, um, even though it's slow and, and kind of expensive, your IP address does not pinpoint you generally to a physical location. So it in the times that I've looked up the IP address on it um, and, and dove into it, it's only giving the location or the general location of the satellite download space. So wherever they are receiving their information, that's where your IP address is going to. And when you use that in conjunction with a VPN and a physical firewall, you're good to go. Um, you use you've really uh, got to step up in the personal security world when you're doing that. And then I guess at the end of the day, people also have to temper their expectations of what they're going to get as far as privacy from any form of electronic communication. I've, I've told my friends a lot of times, that the only thing I really trust is going for a walk in the woods with tree coverage, with no electronic devices, <laughs> where, I'm, right. where I can't even I can't even have my lips read by a, a satellite or a drone, and and that's about right. about what I trust. 
completely 100%. Everything else right. is, is more just mitigation, uh, but there's limits to how secure you can be on that stuff, right? Exactly. Everything has an export. You know, they, the, the biggest thing, at least in the, the personal security world that came out in the past few weeks was, uh, well, aside from the social media data breaches, but we won't, we'll, we'll talk about that at a later time. But the, uh, the, the, uh, so, quote unquote, so-called compromise of signal as a messaging app. And it turns out that the, the program, uh, the app, the encryption algorithm, how it's end-to-end encrypted, meaning uh, you communicating with another person, it, it is encrypted, that traffic is encrypted. Uh, but Signal had a hardware exploit, right? Hardware exploit means that there was something about the device it was on that was exploitable, not necessarily the program itself. And so that I understand that there are a lot of people – uh, it's kind of beyond their understanding, but a lot of folks want to have a one-and-done option. They sit and say, well, you know, I, I don't really understand all the stuff, but I don't want government intrusion or uh, criminals or, or what have you uh, to be spying on what I'm doing. Look, everything you have, uh, every piece of technology has a potential pitfall somewhere. Everything does. Whether you're aware of it or not, and so what it comes down to is tools in the toolbox, tradecraft. You know, it, it's, uh, as you mentioned, talking uh, to people in, in person, going places where there's, you know, no cell phone service, where you're kind of falling off the grid for a while. Um, the actual tradecraft behind something and working very, very hard to not set a pattern. Okay, don't set a pattern for yourself. And, uh, you know, think about how how would I kill me? That's the biggest thing. How would I kill me? And and if you're asking yourself that question uh, and frequently asking yourself that question and, and wargaming your own equipment, your own tactics, techniques, and procedures, uh, red selling your, your gear, which is another way of saying, you know, um, Looking at, at how somebody may come after you at some point in time, you're going to be good to go. Don't fall into a trap of doing the same thing over and over because, oh, you know, that uh, that worked for us, so we're just going to keep doing it. That attitude of, you know, the, the whole burner phone thing, that might have worked in 1990. It doesn't work in 2020. I'm telling you. Been there, done that. You know, we rolled up a lot of insurgents because they didn't know what they didn't know about cell phones, and they didn't know what they didn't know about social media. And, you know, don't fall into that trap. In a recent Radio Contra episode, you spoke about working on some homesteading and building projects. Lumber prices are skyrocketing. Many appliances are on three- to six-month back order, washers, dryers, dishwashers, things like that. Uh, Generators are in short supply, and things don't seem to be resolving themselves. Are these good motivators to start checking off some of those self-sufficiency to-do list items? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and with each natural disaster, you know, we're we're coming off of uh, a freak 
cold snap and ice storm in Texas that shut down several refineries, led to a spike in gas prices. Um, we've had uh, out in Colorado back, in, and it didn't get much attention, but a uh, gas line was severed by a group, uh, splinter group from Earth First, which are a leftist environmentalist uh, terrorist group. So, you know, building prices or, or building material prices, rather, just keep going up and up. Uh, a lot of it has to do with availability. They have plant shutdowns due to uh, COVID-19, so on and so forth, and they're driving those prices up. You know, uh, just a sheet of OSB, uh, I'm working on a number of things around here trying to get stuff done while you still can. Sheet of OSB went from $23 a sheet, which was already a little bit high compared to a couple of years ago, to now $32 a sheet. And that was in one month's time. One month's time, that big of a jump. And they said, well, it's all, it, it all hinges on availability. It all hinges on availability, the price of the materials, and the fact that we are at risk for inflation right now. Uh, you know, we're, we're printing out more money. There's another COVID stimulus package that just uh, has a ridiculous amount of money attached to it. One point nine trillion. <laughs> yeah, nine nine trillion dollars. No, one point nine. One point nine. Yeah. One point nine. Uh huh. Yeah, it, we're you know we're we're swirling the drain at this point when we're talking about economics. There's no way that we're ever going to be able to pay this money off. And as soon as that debt gets called in, because it will, everything at some point is is going to come to a finite point. I think that. Unfortunately, we might be getting close to that uh, as soon as the Chinese are done with, with whatever utility it is that we serve them, uh, that Biden serves them. And, of course, their are uh, proxies here all at the, the national, state, and local levels. As soon as they're done with that, you know, hey, they're, they're going to call in that debt. China owes, owns a, a really large amount, a disproportionate amount of the Fed's debt anyway. So when you think about that, the price of building materials is going to go through the roof. So if you've got something on on tap, you know, a, a project that maybe eh, might be a little out of your price range right now, I wouldn't put it off. I would go on and get it. Uh, and, of course, generators, uh, power tools, you can never have enough tools. Uh, generators, though, are critically important for a lot of reasons, um, you know, and, and uh, passive solar. And, you know, just anything that you can do right now to, you know, you, you've had on tap, thought about, you know, maybe this, this might help us get towards a more sufficient, uh, self-sufficient lifestyle, we really need to be looking hard at that now. Uh, I wouldn't wait, personally. I wouldn't wait. We've had it really, really good in the past uh, several years, especially in the prepping community. A lot of stuff uh, got really inexpensive about four years don't put it off don't put it off we're, we're getting into into some of those hard times again and i think that it's it's going to get worse yeah i've been i've been really watching the the economic situation uh this 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus package that's on the back of a four trillion dollar budget 
which is a, a you know we we bring in about three trillion in tax revenue, so that's already a one trillion dollar deficit, not counting the the interest on the existing debt, uh, which right. is getting higher because the ten year bond has jumped from uh, from a half a percent to one and a half percent in a matter of a couple of weeks, and of course that's everything that you're just talking about because people are losing faith in the dollar. And you know right. if they're gonna if they're gonna lend the U.S. money, they want to they want to be paid more. And you know the the powers that be, their attitude is, well, that's fine because we can just print more money and buy our own debt. But at right. some point, the consumer starts to lose faith in the dollar, and everybody starts trying to spend it as quick as they can get it. In um, in Argentina, when they had their hyperinflationary collapse. Um, people were getting paid twice a day, and so the wives of factory workers would come to the factories. Their husbands would give them uh, the 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 first half of the paycheck that they from from that morning, and so the wives could go to the grocery store and spend it. Because by the time they got off of work, uh, food prices would have went up another twenty five to fifty percent. And then as soon as they got off work and got paid again, they would go spend that money because. Right. Um, and we've got a lot of money sloshing around in the economy from the last stimulus package, and then we will from this one. Um, I think you're right. I think prices are just really going to go through the roof. And and I think that uh, things may seem expensive now, and they may be, uh, but I think it's going to get a lot worse, and I think you're going to look back on uh, $32 a sheet for OSB and think, man, I, I should have just <laughs> should have bought good. a warehouse of that at thirty two dollars, because now it's one hundred and fifty dollars a sheet. Um, uh, one of the things I didn't think about um, is eco terrorism that you just mentioned, like the the Earth First group. Uh, we've got right. such a fragile infrastructure when it comes to the electrical grid. Uh, there was a when, when I was in, in the RTO course, there was a, a guy there that was uh, that was from DoD, and uh, and he was just talking about how you could just literally take down transformer stations with with a rock. It's they're yeah. that they're that fragile, and you know if they put out a call to action, and they could they could just they could cripple. Uh, three or four cities, and then that just starts having a cascading effect. And the next thing you know, right. the whole grid could go down. So uh, that's or, really something I, I haven't you, thought about. If you do that in conjunction with a natural disaster. So we already saw this in Texas uh, where there was a freak ice storm, you know, cold, record-level cold. Uh, they're not used to that. They're not prepared for that. And a lot of the folks who, who I know down in that area in central Texas, you know, oh, it underscores the reason to be a prepper. Yeah, yes and no, because there's some things that you can't logically prepare yourself for. And it just doesn't make sense to prepare for it. And in Texas, extreme cold, like zero degree cold, is not one of the things that people would typically prepare for because it may only happen once every 50 years or once every hundred years. So that makes, you know, it, it doesn't make as much sense. Here's the thing. As we approach the summertime, we may have record heat. We may have uh, 
frequently we have energy strain, and in California particularly, we've seen it every year with the wildfires out there because they've got horribly bad uh, forestry management practices that are that are being put in by environmentalists who have no idea what they're doing. Uh, and, and the real eco impacts to, to what they're doing. Second thing is, is that these groups out there see this. They see it as an opportunity. So if you have brownouts and blackouts in area due to higher power strain during the summer because of air conditioning and, and what have you, that is a great way to already foment chaos uh, or, or compound on chaos that I believe they're, they're planning on doing this summer. I think that the, the riots that happened last summer and in the years prior are going to get ramped up even more this summer. Um, it, it's just a prediction. Seeing it move in that direction, uh, it tapered off for somewhat for the election and cold weather, but we know every time it warms up and we're getting into the spring, when we get into the summer, that's when it hits the peak. Um, there's just too many points of exploitation there that that can happen. And if you couple a power outage in there or a sewer outage, it's just like the story out of Florida um, about a month ago of the hacker that had planned to, to poison the water supply in one of the towns in Florida. How do we know that that's not happening elsewhere? Um, and, and it was something simple by just adding too much fluoride to the water, a lethal dose of fluoride so that people would be drinking it and getting poisoned. How do we know that they're not planning something like this? And they're going to create so much strain on an already fragile system. It's a very dangerous thing to think about and a very disturbing thing to think about as well. But it should underscore the reasons that all the preppers out there that listen to this podcast and are doing the things and taking those steps, they really need to. They truly need to take this stuff seriously because as bad as you think that it's been in the past, I think that it's getting ready to get a lot worse. We were talking a little bit about Texas and the outages. Um and uh, eco-terrorism, uh, maybe the biggest eco-terrorists are the Department of Energy and the EPA. Uh, Texas knew the storm was coming, and they had the capacity to generate more electricity well ahead of the outages. However, the DOE, they wouldn't sign off on them right. upping production until the power had already been out for several days uh, because, you know, the, the capacity they had was for uh, – less clean energy, whether it was uh, coal-fired or, or uh, gas-fired plants as, as opposed to the the uh, the wind turbines, which, you know, when they were trying to de-ice them, of course, they're built, they're burning jet fuel and, and, and helicopters right. to, to go de-ice the, the, the clean energy uh, right. wind turbines. Um, but whether it was politically of- motivated or just leftist bureaucracy, it kind of doesn't matter when you're freezing to death. Is, is government malice and stupidity something that we have to calculate into our preparedness planning? Unfortunately, we do. Unfortunately, I was going to say that the uh, – and, and those were the turbines that they were able to thaw out. A lot of them got damaged because they weren't these, – these were not designed for extreme cold weather use, um, to my knowledge. 
and, and I know that many of them were, were damaged and some of them irreparably damaged. Um, and, and wind farms don't, you know, not to, not to dive too deep down another rabbit hole, but wind, wind farms don't generate enough electricity, uh, generally to, to justify their cost. Uh, the reason that we use them is a tax write-off. That, that's, that's the whole, it, it supplements a grid, but it doesn't even, it, it doesn't add enough, uh, when you compare it to other forms of energy. It doesn't add enough to even, even be a drop in the bucket. Uh, but further, the bird mortality rate from them. I mean, the bird mortality rate, whenever you put in a, a wind farm somewhere, is through the roof also. Uh, so it's pretty serious. You know, it's pretty serious stuff. And, and to have, a portion of your energy grid system relying on something that is that unreliable uh, is pretty ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous. But we do. You know, circling back to your question, uh, we have to account for, for government malfeasance and government incompetence, really. And, I mean, that's one of the reasons that, that I am uh, a quote-unquote prepper is because I know, you know, I'm – through the army, I used to work for the government, and I know just how competent or incompetent they actually are. Uh, so, yeah, I, no, I don't, I don't trust them, and, and of course that factors into my plan. If it, you know something, something that I wrote many, many, many years back, but it's still I, I come back to it every so often, is that what we should strive to be is the type of person who, you know, if the lights go out. It's no big deal. You know, we've got it we've got it taken care of. And we can kind of take care of ourselves and, and let the rest of the world um, you know, they'll the, the people who didn't prepare and who didn't take it seriously, let them fall apart at the seams. We'll be good to go. I'd like to get your take on uh HR one twenty seven. I don't think it has a whole lot of traction at the current time and in its current form, but a false flag attack could change that in a hurry. Students of history may remember that the Patriot Act was just sitting on a desk somewhere waiting for an event like 9-11. Uh, we've also seen lines of people crawling over top of each other to take part of an evac, take part in a vaccine experiment that no one knows what the outcome of is. And, uh, fear's a very useful motivator in the hands of the state, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in its current form, I think that it's, uh, 127 exists to get the, uh, the word out there. It's, uh, definitely a re-election, uh, point and a data point for a lot of these, these candidates that are, that are grandstanding it. However, they know, um, the, the, I would say the majority of the members of the Senate who are uh, in the majority, the, the Democrats, know that while they can speak to gun control, they can speak to bans, they learned uh, back in 1994 what would happen. Uh, in 92, passed the assault weapons ban. It did absolutely nothing for crime rates. Uh, the data is there. It's the UCR data, Uniform Crime Report from the FBI. did absolutely nothing to curb crime rates. Um, and they they got swept clean, um, you know, get just completely removed from power in both houses, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate. Uh, 
uh, and nearly lost the presidency as well due to it. Now, for a lot of folks out there, and I think this way too, well, they just stole an election on, on national TV, so what does it matter? Um, for me, I look at it as, you know, best case scenario, it's all talk and no teeth. Worst case scenario, they pass it. Well, if they do, then we're just going to have to do what we're going to have to do. You know, we know that these people are totalitarian, and we know, uh, it as has been repeated throughout history, that whenever a civilian populace has been forcibly disarmed, that they will be uh, at high risk for genocide. It's happened every time. It is repeatable. And when we have people like Brennan, uh, former CIA director John Brennan, and we have James Clapper, and we have these uh, corrupt government officials at the highest echelon uh, who are saying that they want to make war on conservatives and on Trump supporters, I take them at their word. I take them at their word, and I say, okay, you know, I know what these people are capable of doing. I know exactly how they're going to fight, and I know when they say that they're going to go to war with a segment of the American population, I know what that entails. And so that's why I take all this stuff so seriously. On the political end, I think 127 is a lot of grandstanding. I think that it's it's a lot of check-the-boxes for re-election campaigns, and it may pass and it may not. But the thing that people need to understand and that they need to remember is that eventually they are going to ram something like this through. Politics, especially politics in a republic uh, like we have, whether you want to say, whether you want to argue we're still living in a republic or not is, is a, a debate for another day. But when when we have that, when we have those politics, they are cyclical. We, we have it our way. Conservatives win for a little while, but everything comes around. And as soon as the liberals came back into power, these are all the things, these are their goals. Civilian disarmament is a big one. And as we can see, I mean, we, we look at every city that's run by Democrats, run by a liberal. They're all in shambles, every single one of them. Every single one of these places are unlivable. And by anybody's standards, just looking at it by, by you know, objectively, this, this is not the goal that we should be looking for as, as Americans, as, as patriots who value human freedom, who value human life. This is not something that we should be striving for. And yet these people find themselves in the halls of power. So what I would say is, is that while 127 is scary, I do think that there's, there's an element of asking more than you expect to get out of it. Yeah, because if you want to sell it. your house for, for $250,000, you don't put it on the market for $250,000. You put it on the market for, right. for 300. So you've got some, right. some, some wiggle room. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that there, there will be something that passes. Uh, exactly what we're going to see, I don't know. Um, but, you know, with that said, folks, just be prepared. You know, you need to be making that decision now on, all right, where am I going to stand on this? Because this stuff is real. You know, we've been talking about the possibilities of, of a breakdown in civil order 
and, you know, the breakdown of society and, and, and all these things for many, many, many years. Ad nauseum. A lot of, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's been a lot of that over the years, but folks, this is real. Um, we're, we're, we're truly facing these things, um, and, and we have to face it with, with sobriety and say, okay, you know, this is the line that, that we're not going to cross. Um, and of course, your own individual answers. I'd say that, that the most effective organization happens at the most local level. Have that conversation with your neighbors. Find out where they, they actually stand on stuff. Uh, because I really do truly think we're in the beginning of these things. And I attended your RTO class uh, last November, and it really blew away my expectations. I went through all the trouble of getting a ham license and quickly figured out that it didn't really have much to do with what I was trying to learn. Your course, however, uh, sent me home with a working knowledge and a solid communications plan. Uh, your courses are the kind of thing uh, one person from a group can attend and then go back and, and disseminate with, with everybody else on their team, and I really can't recommend them enough. And, and like everything else we've talked about, training's available now. If you wait, right. that window of opportunity may close. Um, so uh, tell the folks what classes you have available in the near future and where they can go to get signed up. So uh, first, thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks for saying that. Thanks for the uh, more than, than generous and complimentary words. I really appreciate that. Um, what I have right now available, I've got my training calendar up, brushfeeder.org slash training calendar. Um, I have the RTO course, RTO, Radio Telephone Operator. Uh, that's coming out, uh, coming up out in Colorado here in just a couple of weeks. And then I've got several other classes that are on the calendar that are filling up pretty quickly. Um, scout course, fighting carving course. Moving into the summer, uh, I've got uh, all three of my RTO courses. So the RTO, radio telephone operator, basic, advanced, and the signals intelligence course all out in Wyoming. Uh, so for the folks out west, uh, if you're trying to get all those those classes put together, they're, they're going to be in one uh, week's time. And then, of course, I also have a scout course that I'm running out there, which is a small unit tactics course. We have one day of uh, marksmanship where we're going to get you out to 500 meters with your rifle, uh, whatever it is that, that you have. Um, then we're going to implement the tactics. To it, So we build that training progression from the ability to shoot and the ability to shoot accurately over distance and then build your skills up both as an individual and as a team. Um, working from there, I've got another signals intelligence course on the calendar moving into the fall. Um, and I don't, ha I apologize, I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I've got several courses that are up there. They are filling up pretty quick. And as I tell folks, you know, hey, get the training now. Get it now. And everything that I teach, by the way, comes from the train-the-trainer perspective. You can send one or two people from your group into class. I don't have a monopoly on knowledge. I don't have – I'm not, you know, I, I'm not the only person that can teach this stuff. When I was in the Army, 
I was, uh, well, we all kind of learned from the perspective, and, and I drew the most knowledge from the perspectives uh, of train the trainer. And learning how to teach the course just as much as you can the material. And so you can take this stuff, you can take this knowledge, and really apply it with your group. So it, it gives you a jumping off point uh, to where you can come up with your own training program. And I keep up with my students. I keep up with, with everybody that comes to class, folks shoot me an email. They want training pointers. They want to, you know, okay, well, how do we do this? And, and I give them, give them those points, you know, and I'm more than happy to do that. I spend a lot of time every day answering emails. Um, you know, it, it, it is a labor, but it's a labor of love. And to me, that's what's most important is that we're able to get that interaction and the people are going out and organizing. They're organizing, they're training, they're doing something productive other than living online and, and just, oh, woe is me. What are we going to do? Well, you're going to do something about it. You're going to get out there and do something about it. So come on out to class. It would be an honor uh, for everybody listening to this. It's it's always an honor to, to to be able to train with some of the best people in America, and um, it's for me it's no higher calling. It really is. I I can't think of anything better I could be doing with my life. Well, thanks for making time for us today and for your continued service to our country through all the information that you put out there on brushbeater.org and American Partisan, uh, the Radio Contra podcast, and for training up patriots for the unsure times ahead. Absolutely, brother. And thanks to you, too. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for doing everything that you do. You're making a huge impact. <laughs>